Episode 45 of the weekly Yes And podcast. Episode 45, I'm your host, Travis Thomas. I am the host of the weekly app, as well as the creator of Live Yes And. So you can check me out at liveyesand.com or follow me on social media at liveyesand. So each week I either do a solo cast like last week, which was Blessed or Cursed, which you can listen to that quicker podcast last week to talk about a very interesting 72 hours. But what I really love to do is interview different people who are living their passion, living their purpose, and hear about how they are doing what they are doing, why they are doing what they are doing, and how they deal with the adversity and the obstacles that come their way. And episode 45 this week, I get to talk to Jennifer Spaulding. Now, Jennifer is a love and relationship coach out of Austin, Texas. Uh, I've known Jennifer for a few years now through my sister-in-law and actually knew her when she was working in the corporate world, very successful, but on the personal side of things, just kind of looking for the right relationship that seemed to be eluding her. And so through her own personal journey, uh, Jennifer got into coaching. She got into relationship coaching and love coaching. Uh, she actually found uh, her husband uh, during this process and is now happily married. And so for today's podcast with Jennifer, we get to hear more about her story, the personal transformation that, uh, that she has gone through, and how she is passionate now to help people with love and relationships in their life. So really excited about Jennifer. But just a quick reminder before we jump into that, I have a couple of blog posts that uh, might be valuable for you or your children, especially uh, in the athletic world. My most recent blog post is about uh, helping your kids crush their tryouts. I'm especially thinking about the, the high school season that's getting ready to start. Then I have a post about hazing and creating a culture, uh, a yes and culture, doing away with hazing, and really what the lost impact of hazing has, which is often overlooked. So make sure you check those out if you are a parent, you have a athlete, or you are in just a school setting, or especially if you're a coach, to, uh, to talk about how we create those cultures. And lastly, want to give a nice reminder to the Do Big Things Conference, November 3rd and 4th in West Palm Beach. Myself and Donald Kelly, the sales evangelist. Uh, this is the first time we are putting on this conference. We're really excited about it. And you can find out more information, dobigthings.net. And we have an Indiegogo fundraiser going on right now to help raise money. Because as you can imagine, to put on an event like this, it's not cheap. And so please uh, support our Indiegogo, spread the word, even if you can't make it into Florida, uh, West Palm Beach there, November 3rd and 4th, please uh, spread the word to others and um, would love to have uh, as many people engaged and involved. And so it should be a lot of fun, it should be a very inspiring, informative, and hopefully action-taking conference. So uh, that's dobigthings.net. Uh, I've got my blog posts to check out. 
And uh, of course, I'm really excited about a full fall of speaking and corporate training dates that are filling up. So really excited about that. And this is our last uh, last few days here in northern Michigan before we return to Florida and start a brand new massive soccer season, of, of which, again, I will be the performance coach and looking forward to, to all of that throughout the year as well. So that's the update. Let's get into the interview. Again, this is Jennifer Spaulding. She is a love and relationship coach out of Austin, Texas. Please welcome her to the weekly Yes And podcast. And welcome to the weekly Yap. On the phone right now, I have Jennifer Spaulding. Jennifer is a uh, relationship and life coach. Jennifer, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Travis, for having me. Uh, Jennifer, so you're down in Austin, Texas, and you and I actually uh, know each other. We've known each other for a few years, really kind of through uh, through my sister-in-law, actually. And when I met you, Jennifer, you were not a relationship coach. You were working in the, in, in the nonprofit world. Uh, so I would love to know sort of uh, how this transition is, has happened for you going from the sort of the nonprofit world into becoming a, a life and relationship coach. What was that all about? Yes. Um, yeah, I looking back on my career, I've had several different stops. Um, most of it was trying to figure out what my purpose was, what I wanted to do with my life. And so being in the nonprofit world was wonderful. I got to serve um, for some wonderful national nonprofits um, as a fundraiser and got to give back that way. Um, but I had... I then um, transitioned in back into what I first started doing, which was um, working for an IT consulting company and um, doing marketing. I was a marketing director, and we worked with Fortune 500 companies. And I really enjoyed my job. I enjoyed the nonprofit world, too. I continue to be a volunteer. But what happened was um, at the age of 35, I was invited, and it was a great year for most of my friends, and I was invited to, I think, eight weddings that year, (laughs) (laughs) which was great for them, but it got me thinking, hmm, I'm still single, what's going on? And then the next year, when I was 36, I was invited to nine baby showers, which was, yeah, a lot, um, which was wonderful for my friends, and I truly, truly was happy for them. But it really made me think, like, I never dreamt that I would be, quote-unquote, an older woman um, growing up in the South and being over 35 and unmarried. And I got really down about it. I was very sad. Um, I felt successful in my careers. I had excelled in nonprofit world, and I was doing really well and back in for-profit. I had lots of friends and um, strong relationships and seemed to be doing really well in other parts of my life, but I couldn't figure out like what was going on. Clearly I must be the common denominator in my past romantic relationships because, you know, this is not the path that I thought that I would be on. And so I really took a big pause and decided that I needed to seek a mentor and figure out, um, maybe there's some things that I'm doing wrong and maybe I'm self-sabotaging or, um, I'm just not aware of things. And, Again, that was also really hard for me because I yeah. grew up in a yeah I grew up in a household where I believed in you know doing I was always aware of like my inner thoughts and personal development. I loved reading self help books and I was very into psychology. And so to not have this part go right in my life, it's really hard. 
So what did that what did that sort of journey of self discovery did did it did it reveal anything sort of uh, uh, insightful as far as once you you found a mentor and started doing a little bit of that discovery? Yes, um, I had no idea that one thing that was an area that was lacking for me was self love. Um, because I would have told you, of course I love myself. I worked out all the time. I, you know, was trying to stay in shape. I ate well. I um, really thrived and doing well, you know, volunteered. I, you know, worked, um, you know, I always had a great work ethic and I really thought that those were the things that would outwardly show that I love myself. But little did I know, I had this very strong inner critic in my head that I wasn't aware of that was talking to me all of the time, <laughs> telling me things that um, I'm not good enough, um, maybe I need to buy certain clothes to be accepted or act a certain way, I need to please people. Um, I just had kind of lost my true confidence, and especially after being single for so long and going on dates and not finding the one and feeling rejected over time. And that voice inside my head wasn't helping me. In fact, it was keeping me uh, from being finding joy and feeling loved and finding my purpose in life. And I really had to figure out that, you know, loving yourself uh, when you truly do, you're no longer going to accept unloving behavior from others, including yourself. Yeah. And I just didn't know what that meant. And so, um, yeah. I thought a lot of that was kind of selfish versus self-love. And so that inner critic, I think uh, anyone can really relate to that that inner critic, that voice in your head that is uh, as much good that might be going on in your, in your life. That inner critic will find nine other things that are not going well and uh, mm-hmm. get you to focus on those a lot. So so what what was it that you did or what were you able to do to sort of – switch the narrative or to to silence or at least uh, uh, decrease the volume on the inner critic? Yes, I like how you say decrease the volume because sometimes it still pops up and, and I have to calm it down and quiet it down. So the first thing I had to do was just be aware of it, that it even existed um, because as a recovering perfectionist, I assumed that I didn't have that problem so, <laughs> and that and that a voice inside my head was for good, that it was driving me to be better in life. And so to be aware of that chatter, um, and, you know, I know mindfulness is um, a hot topic in the self-development world, and I didn't really know what that was at the time. This was many years ago. And so just distancing myself from my thoughts, starting to be aware of them and question them, and things that were, you know, you know, tightly held beliefs that I had for a long time. So, for example, thinking, well... You know, if you aren't married by a certain age, something must be wrong with you. Or all the great men are taken. And there's no one that would find me, and you know, that would love me at my age. Like all these things are could I could probably give you a ton of reasons why I thought that that was true and give you some evidence. But they were only harming me. Those thoughts, and they were keeping me back. And frankly, they weren't true. I mean, I've gone on to meet a wonderful man. We got married. Um, I met him when I was 39 and he was 40. And I, I just truly believe that, you know, we can change the trajectory of our love life, but I didn't believe it at the time. I had this hope that I didn't know how to do that. 
So what was the uh, what was the turning point? What what was the uh, uh, the moment, or not not that there's necessarily one moment, but as you're sort of uncovering a lot of these ideas, um, mm-hmm. uh, when was the time when you kind of felt a sense of peace about it? Sense of peace of knowing that things would be better, or yeah, because because um, uh, you you actually mentioned that you're married now, so I'm guessing mm-hmm. it wasn't like, oh, well, I finally got married and that that was the accomplishment. So right. before before that, that sense of you um, sort of embracing your authenticity or, or embracing your you know your your wonderful self, um, where did that sense of peace come from during that process? Sure. Um, I actually had to do a lot of work. So some of the things um, that I thought were a little hokey that I no longer think are hokey at all um, is, you know, starting to get really clear about what your gifts are and your strengths. Um, I wrote down a list of I, what I teach my clients now is I call it your awesome list. Mm-hmm. So I have people write down 25 reasons why they're so awesome and what makes you so uniquely you. And at first I thought, oh, this is so silly, or maybe even a little narcissistic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I just had this fear I was going to boast too much, which is a shame, because I think when you feel really, really good and confident about yourself, that's the energy that you emit to other people. You can, you're unstoppable, and people are gravitated to you. Healthier relationships are gravitated to you. And so that was one thing that I had to do is to own my awesomeness. Um, I believe that all of us should. You know, that was one of the things. I love that. And I, let's let's go down the hokey road here for a little bit. Because <laughs> sure. I, because I actually, I think what you're saying is is extremely relatable to, to a lot of people. And I think there's a perception of sort of life coaching, relationship coaching, whatever, any kind of sort of um, self-development coaching. I think there's this stigma that people think that it's either hokey or soft or, or whatnot. Um, so for you, um, what, what was some of the hokiness? What, what were you mentioned, you know, making the, the, the list of the, the awesome, the awesome list. Um, but what were some of the things that you really felt were hokey at the beginning, but have been really transformational for you? Yes. Um, so that was one, um, you know, and then starting to actually really acknowledge my wins, no matter how little they are. Because as a recovering perfectionist and someone that was very driven and especially um, being in a a company where it's very analytical and and very success-driven people, you start to think, well, okay, that was great. We accomplished that. What's next? On to the next. Instead of taking a moment and really celebrating. I mean, something as minor as maybe like, I made that call today or... um, you know, I accomplished this task one of 10, but at least I accomplished the one. Um, I thought that was kind of silly. Like, shouldn't mm-hmm. we um, celebrate when we accomplish all 10? Yeah. And I found that when I did do that, when I would um, celebrate the little wins, I was even more empowered to take on more and more things and with more energy and excitement. Another thing was um, mm-hmm. learning to really find out what brings me joy because in a, you know, as I mentioned earlier, as a person that also likes to please, I would say yes all the time um, to different requests, whether it was volunteering committees or helping out friends and meeting friends when I was exhausted, going to another networking event or a charity event at night after work. 
and I would have filled up my week with tons of things to do. I also felt pressured that I needed to do that so I could meet more people and find dates. And what I realized is by learning to say no to those things that weren't serving me or really listening to my true inner self, that is what I really wanted to do versus what I thought I needed to do. Um, help me realize, you know, what do I really even like to do? What do I, what fills me up? Um, what brings me joy? Right. And, and for you going through that process, what, what came to the surface? What became sort of your sweet spots? Well, for me, I, I, I also recommend for my clients is like discover things that you love to do. Think back when you were a kid and what you thought was so fun. And some people are so great at this and they, they know how to play and have fun. I did not know how to play. (laughs) Um, so I was remembering like back as a kid, I loved riding my bike and exploring in the neighborhoods. And I signed up for Team and Training, which is a wonderful national nonprofit that supports um, cancer research for leukemia and lymphoma. Mm-hmm. And selfishly, I, you know, obviously it's for a great cause, but I really wanted to learn how to cycle and um, didn't know how to do that as far as like buying a road bike and those funny yeah. pants and <laughs> shorts and <laughs> clip on shoes and things like that. And, and so from someone that kind of worked out like maybe 30 minutes, to, you know, four times a week to then go to ride a hundred mile bike ride yeah. was a big task that I didn't know I could do. And what an awesome accomplishment and for me to, to do that mm-hmm. and for myself. But I also had to say no to a lot of things because training was so difficult for me and it took up tons of time. And because I had never done this before, And so I had to say no to my friends. I couldn't meet them on a regular basis or at the time we usually met. Um, I had to say no to different um, committees that I had chaired. And that was at first really hard for me. And then it got super easy because I was having so much fun. And then I think, frankly, my friends enjoyed being around me more because I wasn't complaining about, like, you know, I haven't found the right guy. Because I had so much more things to do with my time that really filled me up, that were things that I really wanted to do versus what I thought I should do. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, that's a huge shift, isn't it? Oh yeah, um, I yeah, especially when you feel and um, like I didn't know the difference between selfish and self care. I thought they were kind of the same. I thought self care meant you just got massages all the time. <laughs> <laughs> your nails done Um, but I didn't realize this is a daily practice like I have to be in tune with my you know I call it my inner luminary and others might say your voice and your soul your intuition Um, that inner light within and it's always guiding me it always has the right answers but my my wonky brain wants to go off and my ego gets in the way and says things like oh I shouldn't do this or you shouldn't think that or oh you're going to get hurt again but if I could tap into that inner self and love that part of me and listen to it and trust it, then I was always on the right path. Yeah. And now when you when you mention self-care, when I, when I uh, work with clients about self-care, I, I call them oxygen activities. You know, these are the things that you need to do on a daily basis to, to breathe. If we're not breathing, we're not living, right? So I for, love that. For, for you personally, um, as you kind of developed your own sort of routine for, for self-care for yourself, um, what were some things that have become non-negotiable for you? Gratitude. And I used to think that was one of those hokey things as well. Yeah. And I'd heard many times that, oh, you should be making a list of things you're most grateful for. And I have to tell you, I had that 
you know, that cliche moment where I was on the floor in my condo with my dog by myself crying. It was probably 11 o'clock at night going, what is wrong? Why is my life this way? I should, you know, I have a great life, um, but I'm so unhappy. And I just had the sense that I needed to stop and I, I needed to make note of things that I had great, you know, that were great going on in my life. And I would start every morning, and some people write in a journal, which I highly recommend, what you're most grateful for, and it could just be three simple things. And for me, what I would do is, while I was getting ready in the morning, um, blow dry my hair, I'd go through my gratitude list. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it was just so simple, depending on the day that I woke up, um, that I'm breathing, that I have a dog, (laughs) Um, that I love my family. And it would be things like that, and over time, it got to be like, you know what? I'm actually really grateful that I'm single. I'm grateful that I have so much freedom, freedom to do whatever I want and spend money, whatever way I want. And that I have the opportunity to really, I have time on my side to invest in my community and make deeper friendships. And so, and that just made me feel so happy. It truly is. I call it a magic trick. I mean, gratitude is amazing. Yeah. And so now, a few times you've mentioned uh, a, a recovering perfectionist, and so uh, open yes. open that up a little bit, because uh, <laughs> uh, I'm guessing that for a while you probably didn't think that was a bad thing, and uh, now you're a recovering perfectionist. So what what was what has that shift looked like for you? Yes, oh, I did think it was uh, my secret weapon. That's what would propel me to go to a great school and double major and triple concentrate and get a great first job out of school and you know, all these things, um, climb the corporate ladder. And, um, but I realized that over time, there was one time in my life where I just got really sick from stress. And I didn't realize that at the time, I think I was 28 years old, that stress can manifest physically. I think many of us know that, but I didn't, hadn't experienced it yet. Yeah. And when I realized that, that I was, um, not only stress with work, but there's some other things going on in my life. And I didn't want to burden people, quote unquote, burden someone with my problems that I could do it all myself. Um, Oh, I really got hit over the head with that one. (laughs) Um, when I got really sick and realized, okay, I, you know, no one can do everything by themselves, that it's okay to lean on others and ask for help and, and that this perfectionist thing is really going to do me in. And most of the time, I realized that it was my way of trying to keep me safe um, and also keep me from getting hurt. So meaning um, that I not only was being really hard on myself on trying to improve and, and felt like that was a way to seek love if I could be perfect. Maybe my family would love me more, or my friends would love me more, or my boss would love me more, or a guy would love, love me more. Yeah. Um, but I was expanding that perfectionism to my future mate um, when I would go on dates and I would find that I was being so critical of someone. I joke, oh, this is going to sound horrible of me. <laughs> when I was in my 20s, um, when I was out with friends and, you know, at a, a bar happy hour and I would see a guy with tennis shoes on, I was like, oh, my gosh, how could he be wearing tennis shoes to a bar, which is horrible of me. And in my 30s, I'm like, oh, my gosh, thank goodness he has tennis shoes. He works out. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectionism, you know, it was one of my self-sabotaging behaviors that I had to need to overcome. And And that's a daily practice for me. I mean, that thought still is in my head that I need to do things perfectly. 
Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. And and so, as you're going through the self discovery and you're you're still out, you're you're dating and and how how did things how 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 did you see yourself showing up differently in in the dating arena as you were challenging some of these beliefs as your inner critic, your perfectionism, um, you're getting outside your comfort zone, you're saying no to more things, you're saying yes to your authenticity. Mm-hmm. So so how is that changing your, uh, your love life? Well, several things. So one was that fear thought that I was never going to find anyone that maybe love happened to other people, but not me. And to really challenge that thought, I started to what I call seek luminaries. So I started to look for women, other role models in my life that were single and older and thriving, buying homes and traveling and having very full lives, getting married late in life, or if they didn't get married, they were having a wonderful life anyway. And and I made a list one day of all the women that I thought and that met that criteria, what I call luminaries, or had overcome struggle. And I got to a list of like 25 women in a matter of minutes. Now mm-hmm. I expanded my reach to not only my my inner circle of friends, but people that I've seen in the media or that were famous. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in great company. These women are amazing. Maybe I am too. <laughs> and then I also believed um, that it was going to happen for me, that I knew I didn't have this desire to find a partner just to make me suffer. I felt like, you know, my desire is worthwhile and that I'm worthy of love and that it would one day happen. But in the meantime, I'm, if I'm full of joy and love and, and learned boundaries and, and could say no to people in a much better, healthy way and pursue my purpose, that seemed to be enough. Um, I, I no longer had overwhelming thoughts of like, why don't I have more? Why don't I have this other life partner? And of course it's when I met my husband, um, was when I no longer had this um, desperation that I wouldn't meet him. Yeah. The other thing I did, which might sound um, scary for some, is that I went on a dating sabbatical. Um, I, for nine months, didn't date anyone, and which was really scary at yeah. the age of, I think I did that, 36, 37. And when I thought, okay, I need to be out here more, I've got to meet more and more people because my circle of you know people that I could potentially meet is probably getting smaller is what I thought. Um, and it was the best thing I ever did because I started to focus on those things that I needed to work on. And I got really clear about what I wanted um, in a mate and who I was, that I didn't need to change who I was and to own who I was and what I liked and what I needed so that when I did meet people... It was really quick as to, okay, we could be friends. Maybe we won't ever see each other again. Um, or when I met my husband, it just seemed to flow. That's, that's very, very cool. So I'm curious, um, uh, how long was it after your dating sabbatical that you met your husband? It was a year and a half. And what kind of shoes was he wearing? Well, this time my story switched from shoes to a bright turquoise t-shirt. <laughs> so I think this is kind of funny. I tell people, my husband knows I share this story. Um, he, when I, my friend, actually my next door neighbor had set us up and he was, I'll, I'll just be brief about how we met. Um, 
he was, you know, I told him I had all these great girlfriends that were single, asked him what his type was so I could introduce him to one of my friends. He asked me what my type was, and then he and he said, oh, you just described my friend Evan. You should meet him. And so when we met, um, I had, of course, I stalked him on Facebook. I saw his picture. <laughs> <laughs> Way to do your due diligence, yes, 2016 yeah. style, yeah. I know. I, I totally did that. And I saw that he had on this nice sport coat and a tie. I'm like, oh, he looks pretty handsome. Um, so when I saw him at a coffee shop when we met, he's had this great smile and he's waving at me and he's wearing this bright turquoise t-shirt and jeans, which is not what I had in mind. And I remember waving back to him and no, nothing against turquoise. I love turquoise. He looks very handsome in that color. But again, this is one of my self-sabotaging things. And I'm looking at him. I'm waving, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, let me get past the shirt. Let me get past the shirt. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? <laughs> but I knew. I knew that was part of my stuff, you know, and I, and thankfully I was aware that that's what I did. And we had a wonderful conversation, and, you know, obviously we've married, so. Yeah. And so in the past, that my guess is that that shirt would have been a real sticking point. Yeah, I mean, it's sad to say. I mean, I know that sounds um, silly, but it was just a way that to protect myself, frankly. Yeah. yeah. If I could find something wrong with him sooner than later, maybe I wouldn't get hurt later. So. Yeah, right. And so, uh, uh, how then did you uh, become motivated and inspired to to want to help uh, to help other women who um, who are with, with relationships and love. Yeah. So I knew that I wasn't alone and that there are so many women that are, you know, excelling in life and, um, you know, are succeeding, but they feel like, you know, something is going on in their love life. And, you know, I had a lot of amazing friends, um, at the time too, that were kind of questioning what was going on and having this, this hole within that they wanted to meet a life partner. And I do strongly believe that when we learn something that we, you know, it's upon us to share what we've learned with others, you know, whether they receive that or not, you know, that's up to them. But if we, you know, have a gift or we've learned a lesson, let's share it with others. And so I just have this really strong desire that whatever I could do to help other women learn these things about self-love and to really trust themselves, to look at self-sabotaging behaviors and overcome them, look at their thoughts and and learn how to turn those things around and to truly trust that the universe is there trying to help you um, and that what you want is what you can get, especially if it comes from a good place, that I I really needed to do that. And and I had been seeking for a long time what my purpose was. I just believe that we're here on the earth for you know, to use our gifts to serve others. And I didn't know how that was going to play out for me. I, I assumed, you know, I was always envious of people that knew at the age of five what they wanted to do. And for me, I hadn't figured that out. But when this happened to me and when I was able to get to a great place, regardless if I met my husband or not, I really wanted to help other women. And so, um, you know, I got professional training and um, got certified and, and had also, during this journey with my mentor who was helping me, we had done several talks with women and to you know, love them and encourage them. And I, I was so inspired by seeing their change as well that I knew this is what I had to do for my life. And I love it. Um, I get to meet um, with really smart women um, who want to grow and 
it's just, it's been a blessing. I'm so glad that I've taken this path and I encourage anyone who has an inkling of what they really want to do to serve others that they continue to do that or to start. And so for you personally, when you think about your, your purpose, um, how would you, how would you define your own individual purpose? Well, right now, my mission, my personal mission statement is really to help women um, or help others better connect with themselves and with others to live an extraordinary life. Mm. I like that. And I think, yeah, and I think when we really get to know ourselves and love ourselves, um, even the parts that we probably want to run from, (laughs) um, that we love it anyway, um, magic happens. And so I imagine, obviously, with your coaching, it's uh, you've you've gone through the process yourself, and obviously, mm-hmm. we're, we're always continually going through this process of of self development, especially when it comes to self love and and uh, uh, loving ourselves even more in in a pure way. And so, as you as you are working with clients and coaching clients, um, uh, what are what are some areas that you you feel are just really really sort of key and important for, for someone who might be considering, you know, whether a, a, a relationship coach or a life coach is for them. Um, what are some key areas that, uh, that you think are important to address? Sure. Well, our thoughts, um, number one, you know, those, you know, in the coaching world, you often hear the phrase, your limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. So, um, these are thoughts that are no longer serving you. So what I've learned is that no, our, our thoughts are just opinions. Um, and oftentimes you'll hear people go, well, no, it's not an opinion. It's really true. Um, but if it can't be proven in a court of law, it is an opinion. <laughs> and it's, and so when we have a thought, it generates a feeling and then our feelings create our actions and our actions follow suit. And then we get the results and the results usually tie back to our thoughts. So if I think that, um, all the good ones are taken, you know, all the great guys are taken. Yeah. Then I'm going to feel really sad. I'm going to feel disappointed and I might get mad. And my actions will usually be, well, then I'm not even going to try or I'm not going to go up to that person and say hello, or I'm not going to ask my friends to set me up. I'm just going to sit here and watch Netflix and be unhappy. Um, and then the result is all the good ones are taken. Yeah. But, but when I think, and so addressing our thoughts and, and being open to it, um, you know, even the thought of like, maybe I need to lose 20 pounds before I put myself out there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's just a thought. It's a, it's a belief. It doesn't need to be true if it's not serving you. What was the number one, what was the biggest belief, self-limiting belief in yourself that, that you had to challenge? That... That was one of them, and all the good ones are taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Another one was maybe I'm getting too old. Yeah. Uh, especially and uh, before I met my husband. I mean, I had done a lot of work, but I would still have that thought pop up at like 38 years old. Um, I finally got to the belief where I know I'm going to find him. This is what I would tell myself, and I truly believed it. I had to fake it till I made it, though. I had to fake it sometimes. Yeah. But I truly believe I know I'm going to find my guy. I might be 50. I might be 60, but I know I will. Well, so in the meantime, let's get living. Let's start living my purpose. Let's have joy and enjoy life. And sure enough, you know, I mean, some people would say, well, why didn't you meet them like two months later? Well, a year and a half really wasn't that long. I actually thought that was a short amount of time. I just actually assumed it would be another 10 years. So. Yeah. But in the meantime, I was happy. 
it's it's amazing, isn't it? When we when we actually be- begin to sort of challenge some of these um, unconscious beliefs that that we've just. Uh, sort of accepted as as fact for for most of our lives, and I think a lot of that is a societal, um, uh, Western culture, or whatever whatever culture right. you, you kind of find yourself in. Um, but when you actually start to challenge some of these beliefs and the validity, and and is this really true, and is this really helpful? Um, just how uh, how life changing that can be. Yeah, and I like what you said about unconscious beliefs because um, what I recommend, too, is writing things down. When you have words that are in black and white staring back at you, then and you take a break once you start writing those things down. It can be all sorts of things, all your fears and frustrations. Maybe take a break for 30 minutes, an hour a day, and come back and look at it from a place of non, um, you know, of peace uh, where you're not in that freakish mind where you're scared and anxious but in a place of calm and you can start analyzing those words staring at you and realizing, Oh my gosh, I really believe this. That's not serving me. That's not helping me. Yeah. Yeah. And you can question it. And yeah, I think one, it's interesting. One sort of, uh, I think story or belief that, uh, seems really sort of prominent, and and you even mentioned it. This this idea of um, I'm running out of time, or all right. the good ones to be this 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 sense of you know this sense that is that there's a there's a timetable, or there's a race, or there's a shortage, yeah. or uh, yeah. there's a there's a limitation. And I think a lot, uh, you know, working with kids a lot, I get to work with a lot of youth and young professionals and even this, you know, idea. and it's funny because I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally had this idea, um, as uh, you know, as a student, this, uh, of, you know, as soon as you get out of high school, you got to go to college, you know, taking it a gap year right. would have been like, oh my gosh, I can't take a gap year. I'll get behind. And then you, you just take a pause and you're like, wait, I'm going to get behind what, you know, get behind who. And, uh, this, this sense that we, we sort of get on this, you know, this never ending treadmill of, you know, you have to have a job at this age, married at this age, children at this age. Right. And that there's a sense that you're you're sort of competing or, or comparing yourself to others. And obviously, when it comes to relationships, mm-hmm. um, that's a huge story we deal with. Absolutely. And that was mine. You know, I, I looked around and everybody seemed to be married at 25 or 30 and definitely by 35. And, and if I didn't have that, then I was going to be miserable, which... You know, looking back, that was so not true. There's a lot of gift in being different or having a different path and really trusting what that is for you. And I know um, the other thing is when we feel like we have to follow the path that everybody's taken or seems, you know, again, that's another belief um, that seems to be what everybody's taking, then it, it keeps you from doing what you really want to do and what may be best for you. So I know, like, for example, a lot of people will stay in relationships because they think this is the only person and there's no one else out there. What if I leave and I'm unhappy or it's not going to be as great or better. And I'm talking about, um, dating, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, sometimes being in a relationship where you're very unhappy and, you know, you're not married, you're not committed and, and it's easier to leave, but a lot of people won't and they'll stay with um, that person for a long time out of fear um, but I, you know, you talked about a gap year, gosh, if I could go back in time and really had followed what I, what my core 
what my inner luminary really wanted me to do, I would have been um, a relationship coach probably 20 years ago. So <laughs> this is what I wanted to do. But I was, you know, trying to compete with everybody else and get that perfect job and yeah. please my parents and, and yeah. didn't listen to it. You get at the same time the uh, uh, the credibility or the you know the the power of your coaching comes from really the last twenty years of your life. Yes, and I often think that um, our greatest lessons come from our greatest struggles. And if I hadn't really struggled and um, and really had to do the work to overcome, yeah. Yeah, I, you're right. I wouldn't be able to relate. Um, it would not have perhaps been as meaningful for me. Um, so I'm, I'm actually really grateful. Yeah. And I think of every struggle as, okay, what do I get to learn from this? And what a great thing to overcome. Now, Jennifer, share share with everyone uh, how to find your uh, your coaching site and, and tell us a little bit about one or two of the programs that, that you offer that could be great engagement points for people. Thanks. Um, yes. So I would love to connect with anyone that's um, interested. So I have a website. It's my name, Jennifer Spalding. That's Spalding with a, a U. And I um, have a what I call a seven-day challenge. It's free. And it's um, seven days to more irresistible you, which is about working from the inside out. And, and I have seven videos and seven worksheets, and it's meant to make you feel so good and be irresistible to yourself as well as to others. It's a great starting point. Um, and then I work one-on-one with um, primarily women and um, for different options and mm-hmm. opportunities to, you know, customize a plan and, and get going on it. We start looking at how awesome you are and, and looking at those thoughts and behaviors and set you up for a lifetime of love. And with the, with the seven day program, Jennifer, is that also uh, predominantly geared at women or is that something that men could engage with as well? Yes, and you'll notice when you go to my website that it's, it is geared towards women and lots of flowers <laughs> and pretty pretty pictures, but everything, every tool that I have is definitely um, suitable for men, too. In fact, I've had several men sign up for my Irresistible You Challenge. I think these are tools that everyone should learn, and, and they're tools that I offer my clients, and they're they're pretty easy. They're, you get an email every day for seven days, and you can pick and choose if you want to do them all, which I highly recommend, um, or you choose the ones that really speak to you. Excellent. And so, as as your as your coaching as your practice grows, Jennifer, what is you know what is the the big idea or the vision that that you that that drives you that motivates you to sort of uh, to keep going? What do you what do you ultimately? What's that level you're wanting to get to? love to just share a message of love with others and regardless of your relationship status you are deeply loved and love is everywhere and it is truly yearning for you I believe love is energy um, I believe that we have the power to change the trajectory of our lives, including our love life. And so I hope that I get to connect with more and more women who will then use these tools to share with all their friends and families and children and um, you know, whether that is virtual, I, I work with people all over the country and, and just hope that I continue to do so and to serve other people. Excellent. And so I know a lot of people are probably listening to this interview via their phones. And so they may have Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. Uh, how do we contact you on social media? Sure. And um, so my, um, 
let's see, social media name for Twitter and Instagram is Jen, J-E-N-N underscore Spalding, S-P-A-U-L-D-I-N-G. And then on Facebook, I'm Jennifer Spalding Coach. And also when you go to my website, you'll see some of my um, social media handles that way. Love to engage with you, answer any questions you have, and encourage you. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Well, I, I loved it, and I, this this 40 minutes just flew by. So uh, I, I personally loved it, and um, uh, maybe we could have you on at another time and, and, and get down to the nitty-gritty a little bit about uh, um, some coaching or actually even put, put word out to um, some women who uh, would love some advice, and we could do some, some questions uh, via the podcast. Oh, that would be so fun. Thanks so much, Travis. I love listening to you as well and excited. I'll have to read your book. I'm glad that it's out. Thank you, Jennifer. No, thanks so much. And for everyone listening, we'll include uh, links to Jennifer's website and all that um, in the uh, the newsletter and the blog post. And uh, hopefully you guys will check out Jennifer. Jennifer, thanks so much again. Thanks, Travis. Have a great day. All right. Have a wonderful yes and day, everyone. Love is where this begins. Thank you for letting me in I never had to pretend You've always known who I am And I know my life is better Because you're a part